This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct, the two best words in sports together, Game 7. We got a pair of them tonight. Uh, the first game is going to be Capitals and Penguins, but then I'm really looking forward to the Ducks and the Oilers at night and the radio play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oilers, a guy that actually can make sheep grooming entertaining on radio, and that is Jack Michaels, who does a tremendous job as the voice of the Oilers. How are you, buddy? Thanks, pal. I'm still recovering from that shot of you in the LT jersey yesterday. Oh, you did see I it. loved it. I knew, I knew as it's coming... It's my new uh, cell phone wallpaper. I knew... I knew that you with a Giants family background would appreciate that picture more than anybody else in the Great White North or right now in uh, Southern California. That was the thick stash, too. <laughs> I uh, you, you, back then, you could not have been allowed within probably 100 yards of a high school. <laughs> I, you know like what? I don't know what I was thinking, I guess, at the time. And then a buddy of mine said, you got to see it on Twitter. I'll retweet it if uh, anybody hasn't seen it, at Don LaGreca. They're, they're like, you, you definitely had a brush in your back pocket, didn't you? I'm like, oh, absolutely. You saw the, uh, the back uh, pocket all worn out because I had my big, thick brush in there because I had to comb that mane that I had. And that porn stash well, that I was sporting. <laughs> I got to give you credit, though, Donnie, because I think you were ahead of the game in terms of the acid wash jeans. I mean, 86 <laughs> was kind of a little bit early for that. So you were kind of the trendsetter. I'll give you credit. That's right. The only people with acid wash jeans in the mid-80s were people that actually worked with acid. So uh, maybe I got everybody going. <laughs> but uh, let's talk about this game tonight. You know, there's a different ways of looking at it, Jack. Is that Edmonton's there a year early, right? This 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 is a team of the future. But here they sit, a game away from going uh, to the conference final. So, what is the attitude up in Edmonton? Do they look at this as gravy, or do they look at this as a real opportunity here to make a serious run? Well, it's funny you said that, Donnie, because I woke up and and actually watching the Ranger game last night. I thought, you know what, I bet the Rangers in 2012, when they let that series get away from the Devils, they thought, you know what, we're going to have a lot of chances to get back. And I think last night might have been the close of the era, and the era ended the same way, by losing to, in my opinion, an inferior team in six games. And so the Rangers, they have six years of excellent hockey, great teams, uh, lots of fun at MSG, but they come away with it with one Stanley Cup final appearance. And so if you're the Oilers, I don't think you can afford to look at it as, hey, we're this is chance one of six or seven, because you just don't know in this game. You don't know. And it's such a thin margin for error in the Stanley Cup playoffs you've got to take advantage of every opportunity before you. And I feel like the Oilers feel like even now they're on equal footing with the Anaheim Ducks because whatever experience Anaheim might have in terms of a supposed advantage, I think when that experience has mostly been negative and I think losing four game sevens in a row at home would qualify as such, then I think that advantage in experience is negated. And I think the Oilers have to go out and do exactly what they did in game six. And I'm not talking about the score. I'm talking about laying bodies early, especially connecting early on Ryan Getzloff, slowing him down a bit, and taking this game over in the first period. Because in each of those four game seven losses at home, the Ducks have fallen behind and never caught up. The first goal tonight means a lot. I think it's been the victor in 13 of the last 16 game sevens. And if Edmonton Mm -hmm. gets out early, 
all those negative thoughts are going to be coming flooding back into the Anaheim veterans. I don't think there's any question about that. Not only have they lost four straight home games, uh, sevens, they haven't even had a lead uh, in any of the four, which is just unbelievable to me. Uh, this is a uh, Edmonton team, Jack, that, that lost 7 nothing to San Jose. They blow a three-goal lead with 320 to play uh, in Game 5 and bounce back in both situations. How big is Milan Lucic as a Stanley Cup champion in that room been in those times of adversity? Well, in that room and on the ice, Don, because he was the guy who landed a couple of big shots on Ryan Getzloff in the first period of Game 6. And you take away the five goals, and that still would have meant a great deal to the Edmonton Oilers because Getzloff had been absolutely schooling them in this series. He had been basically emerging as you know, your West Coast Conn Smythe candidate. No question. I mean, if Malkin is perhaps on the East Coast, depending on how things shake down tonight, it was Getzloff who was playing at the absolute top of his game. And, and Lucic came out early. Uh, and, you know, look, he, he set up a couple of goals and, and was a factor offensively. But the biggest thing he did was land a couple of hard body checks on Getzloff early. And that shook up the captain a bit and, and threw Anaheim off stride. And, and then it was kind of off to the races. So uh, I don't think there's any question that Lucic's Game 7 experience can be a factor. And I'm going to be interested. I mean, a guy who doesn't have a point in the postseason has just had a nightmarish regular campaign after really uh, showing good form in his first two years in an Edmonton sweater. And that's a name quite familiar to Ranger fans, Benoit Pouillot. And he did not have a point in this postseason, but he's 4-1 lifetime in Game 7s. And You'd love if you're an Oiler fan for some of that experience to rub off tonight, and maybe he can he can play a bit of a role because he's now you know kind of a third line guy with two other guys who just haven't done much offensively in the postseason, Nugent Hopkins and Eberle. And if that line gives Edmonton anything tonight, again, huge advantage, huge boost for the Oilers. You know, it was funny when Pouliot was here; he was a part of that team that made the run to the final in 2014. Uh, Av. Talked about him being, he said, Laloon, which meant he sometimes plays on the moon, like he's not all there all the time. And we always had kind of a fun play on words that when he did play well, that his feet were firmly on the ground because sometimes he'd kind of float away on him. But he has been a, a good player for the Rangers and a good player for the Edmonton Oilers. We're talking to Jack Michaels, radio play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oilers. Game 7 tonight, second game of the doubleheader on NBC Sportsnet. Ducks and the Oilers from Anaheim. Uh, so much talk about McDavid. So much talk about Nugent Hopkins because those are the two. Those are two guys that were the top uh, picks. But Leon Drysidel had that coming out party the other day in that big game. And just how how important is he in this game and for the Oilers moving forward? Well, Leon Drysidel is now another guy who, if the Oilers should win tonight, is going to be at the forefront of any Con Smythe discussion because. Mm-hmm. He did not have a point in the first four games of the playoffs, Don. And now he's right there among the league leaders, trailing only Geno Malkin. I mean, that's how good he's been. I mean, he got off to a slow start. And it's funny, you mentioned the 7 nothing game in San Jose. In that game, Drysaddle was ejected for spearing. And so through four games, he had one more game misconduct than he had points. 
for his postseason career. And since then, he's just taken off and been Edmonton's best player by a long shot. The key move that Todd McCollum made in this series, Don, that's helped Edmonton, you know, stem the tide a little bit in terms of Anaheim's momentum is he moved Drysaddle off McDavid's line and into the center ice position. So that negates some of the size and strength Anaheim has down the middle with guys like Vermette, Kessler, and Getzloff. Now Drysaddle, who's a big body, that's what people forget. He plays a finesse game to some degree, although he was throwing the body around the end of the night as well. But he's also a big man who can protect the puck and doesn't mind a little traffic. You know, he can, he can carry a defender or two. And, you know, when you're 6'3", 220 pounds, and can shoot and pass the puck with equal, you know, equal skill, uh, you got a lot going for you. And the biggest thing for Leon is he's kept his feet moving. And, uh, look, if Edmonton's going to win game seven tonight in Anaheim, they're going to need another strong performance from Leon. There's no doubt about it. All right, I save the best for last. Of course, Connor McDavid, uh, fast becoming the best player uh, in the National Hockey League and soon to be maybe the next Sidney Crosby, hopefully the next Wayne Gretzky in the eyes of Edmonton Oilers fans. Just reading about him, I've talked on this podcast before. I did read and finish the book of McDavid Factor, just leading up to him being drafted and what he's meant to that city of Edmonton for all the things you've been through. Uh, there, not only as a fan base, but also what they've gone through economically up there in Edmonton and just how much responsibility has been placed on this kid's shoulders. Does he have any ego at all, Jack? If he does, he doesn't show it. Yeah. He doesn't show much. And he's he's pretty quiet and, and pretty reserved. He's been under the microscope since he was, you know, 12, 13 years old. And, you know, you're coming out of the Toronto area and, and you know, that's, kind of what's expected i mean he has always been the next one for the last you know eight nine years so he's grown up grown up with that responsibility and if he comes across as guarded at times i think that's where it stems from because you're growing up in that crucible that is toronto it's it's just it's just the way it is so i think connor's handled himself quite well this has been a tough series for him in terms of you know getting any kind of space out there because when he hasn't had Kessler on him, he's had Getzloff right in his grill. It'll be interesting to see what kind of Game 7 McDavid has tonight. Getzloff has had his signature game in this series. Right. It was Game 4 when he scored twice and assisted on two others and basically put the Ducks on his back. I don't think the way Leon Dreisaitl is playing that McDavid has to do quite that, but I'm sure he's very eager for his first opportunity to prove himself in a game seven while wearing the seat well if you get a chance uh, go to xm or go on the website try to find some of jack calls he does a phenomenal job and have fun with it tonight buddy i mean this is a huge game it doesn't come all that often and i'm sure you're going to have a a tremendous time tonight good luck i can't wait pal thanks donnie for having me on all right let me see if i can uh, do you proud here this is uh jack michaels play-by-play voice of the edmonton oilers on the oilers radio network good that was well done. You are in postseason four, my friend. All right. Have fun tonight, man. Take care, buddy. All right. That's Jack Michaels, play-by-play voice of the Edmonton Oilers, who does a great job, and it's a huge game. It's been a long time, um, 11 years between playoff appearances for the Edmonton Oilers when they went to the Cup Final in 2006 and now a game away from going to the Conference Final. Uh, one of two Game 7s tonight at the NHL. doesn't get any better than that. First game, Capitals and the Penguins, and we broke that down. Yesterday's game misconduct with uh, John Walton, the play-by-play voice of the Washington Capitals, now breaking it down on the Edmonton side uh, for the Ducks and 
the Oilers. And, of course, tomorrow we'll be able to recap uh, what the Western Conference Final is going to be. We know it's Nashville. Will it be Edmonton? Will it be Anaheim? And we also know on the Eastern Conference it's going to be the Ottawa Senators. Will it be the Washington Capitals or will it be the Pittsburgh Penguins? And, of course, we now deviate to what happened last night. Game six goes the Senators' way. And we could talk all we want about what happened last night to the Rangers and why they lost the series last night. They lost this series before last night. I mean, last night was awful that they got out to the slow start. It was awful that we didn't see them really truly engaged in the game until it was the third period. And we can break that down. But this should have never gotten a game six. They should have won game two. They should have won game five. That's what cost them this series. And I discussed at length about how I thought the Rangers were the better team. And I still believe they're the better team. But you got to prove that by more than just fits and starts. You got to play sixty minutes. You got to play every game that way, and they didn't. And the Evans, the and the Ottawa Senators were were a good enough team to take advantage of it. When the Rangers blinked, the Senators were right there to take advantage. Whether it was the two goals in thirty three seconds in Game Five, whether it was the fact that Carlson comes right back less than two minutes later after the Rangers make it two one on the Zabana Jad breakaway, and then Carlson makes it three one again. It's amazing how this Ottawa Senator team did the job that they did. And I don't want to make this out to be the NBA where you have to have those special players in order to win. But the one thing the Senators had that the Rangers didn't is Eric Carlson. And even possibly playing at 50%, he was the best player on the ice. And you need your best players to be your best players. And Carlson was the best player in Game 5 with three assists, including assisting on the game tying and the game-winning goal, getting that goal in Game uh, 6 last night to make it 3-1. He was a special player. And in sports, when you have that special player, you're always alive. And when it's a very evenly matched game or a very evenly matched series, the team with the best player is going to have an advantage. And the Ottawa Senators certainly had that advantage. And for Ranger fans, it's got to make you sick that you're the better team. You should be playing in the conference final. You should be sitting here watching Washington and Pittsburgh beat each other up, and instead you're going home. And the, the the eerie thing about the Rangers, and we'll talk about this as we get closer and closer to the next season, you begin to wonder, you just heard Jack say, you got to take advantage of the opportunities when they present themselves because eventually the era comes to an end. And you wonder, is Hank's going to turn 36 next year? And Nash is in the last year of his contract. And McDonough's not getting any older. And they might buy out Dan Girardi. And Stoll is certainly on the back nine. How many more kicks at the can is this team going to have? And I think they're going to go for it as long as Hank is there. I think they're going to be in the running for Kevin Shattenkirk. I think they're going to try to make some deals to squeeze a little bit more paste out of the tooth uh, paste, uh, too. But uh, we'll see. You look at that conference. You look at that East. You look at that Metropolitan Division. You know how good Pittsburgh, Washington, and Columbus were this year. They should be good again. Uh, Toronto is going to be better. Buffalo is going to be better. If the Rangers have to settle for a wild card, there's going to be competition in both divisions for that. So as Chicago, as Boston, as the Rangers maybe start to get older and take the steps back, the Edmontons, the Torontos, those are the teams that start to take the step forward. So you wonder, you wonder if the window is still open. It's definitely closing, but how much more does it have to go before it finally hits the end? We'll see. But certainly a very, very frustrating day and a very, very frustrating offseason for the New York Rangers. It was officially announced. It broke on game misconduct back with E.J. Raddick two months ago, but it was made official during the game last night. Winter Classic, City Field, Rangers, and the Sabres. Uh, that is going to be the Winter Classic for uh, next season. Uh, Tony sends a tweet, and you can reach me at Don LaGreca, hashtag uh, game misconduct. 
Why Sabres for the Winter Classic? Is there a reason no Islanders? It's an actual rivalry. Well, no offense to the Islanders, Tony. They don't have the following that the Sabres do. It's about television ratings. It's about getting attention. And if you put the Rangers and the Islanders, yeah, New York would love it, but will the large mass love it? Buffalo, this is the 10th anniversary of the Winter Classic. I think they wanted to get the Sabres back because of that reason. They've already had a Winter Classic in Buffalo. It was very successful. And there's also something else that that, um, comes into this. There's something in the MSG contract that a, a Rangers home game has to be played at the Garden. If you remember those games at Yankee Stadium, they were Devil and Islander home games because the Rangers could not be at home. So they want to be able to have a team other than the Devils and the Islanders that they don't think would have a national draw, but to get a team that can bring a fan base, and they believe Buffalo can bring the fan base. So Sabres have a huge following. I think they're a team on the upswing. Certainly Jack Eichel on national television, you can never go wrong. That's why it's the Buffalo Sabres over the New York Islanders or the New Jersey Devils. They want a better following. They want a more national appeal. So it'll be the Sabres and the Rangers at City Field. I'm looking forward to it. I think it can be a lot of fun. Let's get back to some more of your tweets. Uh, Sam Diaz says, defense was weak, intensity low, and the offense stalled often. But 2 for 24 on the power play was the difference in this series, in my opinion. Sam, you're not wrong. Is it the reason they lost? No. But when you're talking about a series that came down to missing goals, that's what it is, right? Rangers missed the goal in Game 1. They they missed that kill shot in Games 2 and 5. Those are missing goals. And when 22 times in a series you've got a power play in which you can get one of those missing goals and you don't and you lose the series, then it has to be a topic of conversation. Ryan says, will you be doing game misconduct in the offseason for free agency and the like? Never enough hockey talk for me. We're going to keep it going, Ryan. Um, I can't say that we'll do it every day during the offseason, but we'll try to do it periodically. If you follow me at Twitter, you'll know when I'm going to do a game misconduct. I think we will do it throughout the Stanley Cup final. We'll do it for the draft. Uh, We'll analyze free agency as it happens, as big stories take place. So, Ryan, I can't say that I'll do it every day during the offseason, but I will try to do it, I would think, at least uh, once a week when it's warranted. Uh, Guy says, the most exciting thing to me is a Game 7 in Stanley Cup playoffs. Now the Rangers are out. I want Edmonton, Nashville, and Pittsburgh to win. Not sure why you want those teams to win, but I think an Edmonton-Nashville final would be spectacular. Um, Getting Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin on a big stage is never a bad thing either. I just have this feeling, and don't go by my gut. My gut was the Rangers are going to win last night, and I was wrong. I've got a feeling that Washington is winning tonight. I can't put my finger on Anaheim-Edmonton. I do think Anaheim's due to win a Game 7, but that series has been so difficult to predict, not just game-to-game, period-to-period. I don't have a feel. I do have a feel Washington's going to get over the hump and finally get to a conference final. Liam says, can't win an elimination game if you don't show up until the third. Rangers should have won in five. No question about it. No question about it. All right, I want to thank everybody for listening today. I personally have to get ready for the Michael K. Show. Tomorrow we will do another game misconduct, and we'll break down the two game sevens, and we will know what the conference final matchups will be. Maybe we'll even have a schedule. Who knows? And we'll break it down even further. Want to get in touch with me? At Don LaGreca. Hashtag game misconduct. Apple Podcast is the way to follow us, and you can also follow us on the ESPN app. And please subscribe. We want to build those subscribers. We want to shove it in ESPN's face how many people love the sport of hockey. Shove it right in their face.
This is Game Misconduct. Hashtag Game Misconduct. This was the Wednesday edition of, guess what? Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don McGregor.